0: Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Today is Friday, November 18th. It's the last Friday before Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh. A week from today is Black Friday. I was just reminded about this. I'm so depressed. Uh, joining me now in my depression is Dwayne Generalissimo Patterson of the Hugh Hewitt Show, master of the universe, H U G H N I B E R C dot com, the troll free web surfing experience for Hugh Hewitt fans and listeners. And uh, Dwayne. Uh, how much of your Christmas shopping have you gotten done? oh much
1: Christmas shopping?
0: None. Yeah, same. Zero. How much of your Thanksgiving shopping have you gotten done?
1: Um uh, that that's a that's a hard question to ask, actually. Um, I actually have outlaid cash on Thanksgiving. Um, uh, we are actually going to Flagstaff uh starting next Wednesday. We're going to drive out to Flagstaff. Why Flagstaff? I honestly have no idea. Our next door neighbors uh, and and our family, uh, we were in Utah last year. Um, we were in, uh, we, we decided to spontaneously go to Utah for Thanksgiving. We had fun went to a, like an Airbnb there. And this year we decided we're going to Flagstaff. Why? Because Sedona was booked up. I don't know why, but we're going there. <laughs> and um so i'm throwing the e-bikes in the back of the truck and uh we're we're going to pile in and, and leave wednesday so i've outlaid the money on the on our share of the airbnb and i'm bringing the turkey roaster and and we we're, we're doing that that whole thing but i i still don't know why we're going
0: but we're going
1: and we're going to have fun
0: well i am I, I'm glad that you're going. You're going to have fun. We're, we're having family coming into town. So the, we're going to have some fun here, too. I actually bought the turkey. That's a whole other story. Uh, but I uh, <laughs> ended up buying two turkeys. Um, well, if you looked at the, of, and, one of us and, for Christmas. So.
1: And, and, and we'll get more. We'll, we'll cover more of the midterms in just in just a minute. Speaking of buying the turkey.
0: Yeah right exactly did republicans buy the turkey i like this this is this is a good bit did republicans buy the tur- turkey yes. are they getting are they getting the stuffing as we speak well we can talk a little bit about the midterm status we're down to five uncalled races we know that house republicans are going to have the majority 218 but what you mm-hmm. don't want is 218 217 <laughs> that no. is a bad position to be in
1: Three of the five are still in California, but um, from my from from what I can tell, uh, the Lauren bobert uh, race in Colorado is going to go to a recount. Uh, the last I saw on that, Boebert has a 551 vote lead, and there was literally 200 votes left that hadn't been counted as of last night. Even if all 200 broke towards uh, the opponent, the Democrat which they're not, they're going to be split. But even if all 200 went in, there's not enough there. Her margin going into the recount is going to be north of 500. And unless something really unusual happens, that's outside of the margin of cheat for it, recounts.
0: I, 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 You know, I'm not going to talk about the margin of cheat because the margin of cheat is is hard to quantify, right? Because it depends on what kind of cheating you're talking about but what i can say recount, is the margin recount, of error the margin of error in counting ballots just the natural margin of error Counts don't
1: overturn 500.
0: I, I, <laughs> they don't they don't i will tell you that i will tell you one that had a 500 vote swing <laughs> the one i had a ringside seat to um and i'm you know as obviously minnesota as a state had a larger you know universe of ballots too um, but you're starting to get uncomfortably into the zone where recounts might actually matter. And, um, and we're still not quite sure if Otero County has fully counted its ballots. They're going to finalize it today. But the good news of course, is Otero County is actually one of Bobert's better counties. Right. So, so
1: I, I, again, I would be, you know, I've, I've seen a lot in elections we both have in our 20 years of doing this, but uh, Bobert's going to win that race. Um, so that's going to be a pickup. That would be a minimum of of what two nineteen. Two nineteen. Uh, Kevin Kylie is going to win California three. He's up. He's been up all the way along. Decision Desk HQ has has already called that race. That was the one that they called, uh, bringing it to two eighteen. Which caused decision uh, desk HQ to throw the house to the Republicans a day ahead of all the rest of the networks. Because right. of that, Kylie race, they've already called it. They've seen enough there. Um, Kylie would make it two twenty. Valadeo's going to win his race. That's two twenty one. Um,
0: you no, know, we should yeah. talk a little bit about Valadeo though, because Valadeo—that's um, a—that's actually a Democratic district.
1: It's a Democratic district, but Valadeo is the incumbent. He's got name ID. He, he's in, he's, 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 he's been.
0: He's got name that. ID. He's also, he's also one of the very few Republicans who voted to impeach Donald Trump too, which is one right. of the reasons why he's got credibility in that district. Correct.
1: Correct. Yeah. So, so he's going to, he's going to win that seat. Uh, and then the other one is uh, John Duarte. He was behind for quite a bit. And then a, a uh, 1500 vote dump went his way um what last night or the night before and he went from a 600 vote deficit to a 900 vote mar- uh, uh, uh lead and that's that may be a little bit too much insurmountable uh for the democrat uh in that race there so that would make 222. that's that's kind of the conventional wisdom dave washerman from cook report thinks that the conventional wisdom now is 222.
0: 222 yeah you and i were joking about that on wednesday night uh room 222 theme and all that um but um you know the the reason why you need 222 213 which would be the mirror image of what the last two years have been right right i mean that's what nancy pelosi's uh uh control is the reason why you want that nine as much of a pad as you possibly can get even though it's nowhere near what you need to to tamp down factionalism is because if you end up with 218 217 or Two nineteen, two sixteen. What what ends up happening, Dwayne, is that the meat market opens up. <laughs> it's it's party swapping time. It's time to yeah. it's um, it's, you, it's the key have, It's 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 the Capitol Hill key party. You have <laughs> you, you, you your have your keys in the bowl and and you go home with somebody else other than your spouse you have
1: you have the little angel and the little devil on the on the uh on, on the shoulder of of the guy in animal house as uh, as the passed out half naked girl is on the bed right you know right um you you have you have that scene play out of 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 the little of we'll talk in the year um look here's I, I talked a lot about this with John Campbell last night, and even at 222, he's worried that, that McCarthy is not going to be able to um, uh, clear the 218 hurdle on, on January 2nd. Uh, I think he's going to, and I don't think it's going to be actually that hard when all is said and done for two reasons. One, Kevin McCarthy may be the best positioned person for this narrow of a margin there is simply no better schmoozer and no better networker or than uh than than anybody in recent memory on the republican side in the in the speaker class certainly not paul ryan certainly not denny haster certainly not john Boehner. kevin mccarthy builds relationships he is a networking god he 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 does have relationships with with, with everybody there he's 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 less of a policy guy and more of a, of a of a personal um you know handshake let's he knows your kids he knows he knows all about your story he knows your bio he he knows everybody in his caucus um so that's going to help him um greatly getting into that now for those that want to um, Use their individual seat as the two eighteen vote and 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 there might be sixty Republicans that think they're the two hundred and eighteenth vote and and technically they are. but if they're in the minority, they're really they, they really don't have much to to go on there. They're not going to be right. really given anything. their leverage, and they will have leverage on policy once they're in the majority. But their leverage only works if they're in, in charge of the committees, if they're on committees, if they're in the majority and they set the agenda. Then they can have all sorts of fun and lean on McCarthy and say, I, I put you in as speaker. Now you owe me for this, you owe me for that. They don't have that leverage if they don't put them in to begin with. They're gonna, they're gonna galvanize around the important vote. And then it's gonna be the you know, the circus for the next two years um but but kevin uh, mccarthy's gonna have the gavel i
0: i am i am yeah i I mean that i i think that you're at 220 i'm not sure you're at 222 but i think you're at least at 220 maybe uh, uh, almost certainly at 221 that's that you're not you're not going to get enough people you're not you're not going to
1: peel off three or four no
0: no because people and people want to the other thing about that too is that's a little bit more attractive sometimes in the Senate than it is in the House. When you're in the House and you're in the minority, you got nothing. At least in the Senate, you've got the filibuster on, on legislative issues. Right. But it, right. the minority in the House stinks. <laughs> There's no reason. There is no reason uh, to uh, want to flip over and wind up in a minority. Um, if you're already in the minority, what you're looking to do is uh, flip over to get into the majority if you're looking to flip it all. And I don't think that, I, I don't think that there's a lot of people that are going to be flipping. We should, however, talk about somebody who's stepping down, supposedly Nancy Pelosi, the end of an era. Uh, you know, I mean, you can, you can say uh, not, 20 years, 20 years of her being at the top of the caucus. Right. I mean, it's uh, I think it's been 20 years. Right. I think she came up in 2002 or 2003. Uh sh- yeah, I think
1: so. I think so. It seems like she's been there since, you know, 1975. Right. You know,
0: but well, she's been in the, she's been in the House since 1987, but I don't think she went into leadership. Right. But but, I mean, it's,
1: but it seems like she's been there since since, you know, Biden was 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 a teenager. Right. You know, right. She, she's been there a long time. Um, so I've got two very plausible scenarios for what Nancy Pelosi's doing here with the with the announcement she made. She's not going to run for leadership but she's not leaving the house at least as of yet. Um, the two scenarios that I see um I I probably if I've got $100 in poker chips I put $80 on on this first one and maybe maybe I save 20 for for the sucker bet uh, for for the backup plan. The the $80 bet goes to she knows the margin is going to be thin 221 222 whatever it takes um you know that's my joke i'll I'll help you commit to the bit
0: that's my joke Um, man 220 221 whatever it takes
1: yes yes (laughs) so so she knows that kevin mccarthy is going to have a hard time herding the cats because she had a hard time herding the cats and so she and Steny Hoyer are going to stay in their seats and and, and not provide a vacancy initially, because if the two of them stepped down now and and re- resigned from Congress and she went off to go be a, an ambassador, which you know that, that would that would come and all that stuff, um, you would uh, you would reduce the margin but with those two vacancies that Kevin McCarthy would need to become speaker and right. she's not and she's not going to do that There. on the other hand
0: on the other hand well i'll let you finish up your thought because i have a thought about that i i actually think that that she just made kevin mccarthy's job easier but you, you finish up what you're talking about i
1: i i agree with you but i'm say, but she she rules with an iron fist but her tactic her tactics always aren't the most sound tactics um but and I agree with you. She actually makes it easier to galvanize around uh, uh, around McCarthy because she's still out there lurking. Um, but if she were to um, step down theoretically, and Steny Horner were to step down theoretically, th- uh, that would create a couple of vacancies. It would reduce the margin that Kevin McCarthy needs to be able to become speaker. She's not going to do that. She's going to make everybody on the Republican side walk the plank for Kevin McCarthy. And then at that point, probably she will announce her her retirement from Congress as the ink is dry on the paper from uh, the White House nominating her to go be the ambassador to Rome or something like that. So that's, that's the most likely scenario. Here's the sucker bet. Here's the $20 bet. She's looking around at the results of the midterms. And she doesn't want to have to sit there and deal with the AOCs and deal with all the all the knotheads uh, as part of the minority. So she's going to she's going to sit back and lay low right for for this term. And she's going to she's going to do her version of of Winston Churchill and be the quote unquote backbencher, which is going to be nothing of the sort. She's still going to right. be pulling the strings behind the scenes.
0: This is, and- I mean, yeah, I, this is going to be my point, but you keep going.
1: And and here's what here's her play. Her play is Donald Trump wins the nomination for the Republicans, goes up against Joe Biden, and because it's Donald Trump, Joe Biden beats him again because the country can't stand Donald Trump. We saw all the Trump acolytes get pounded and and uh, underperform in the polls, and she's going to think, you know, if. If Trump, if the Republicans are stupid and the Democrats play Operation Chaos again in some of the early primary states, maybe we can get Donald Trump this nomination once and for all again. And he'll lose to Joe Biden in 24. And if the backlash against Donald Trump is big enough in a presidential election, and there's only a four seat majority for the Republicans in 24, why those coattails of Joe Biden and the anti-Trump coattails are going to be long enough. That the Democrats are going to swing right back, and it will only be a two-year majority for the Republicans. So, why would I not immediately leverage what I've just done behind the scenes for two years, letting uh, Hakeem Jeffries, um, you know, act as though he's the, uh, you know, the Medvedev of of uh, American politics? And she actually is going to go for the BB Netanyahu and angle for the the third go round. You know, the first the first person ever to come come back and actually serve as speaker three different times. That's, you know, that's 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 the, that's a long shot sucker bet.
0: No, I don't think she'll come back as speaker. That's the one thing that I don't think will happen. She's not be oh, back. as speaker. I, uh, no, 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 no. no. I, I, I think she's going to stick around. And, and this is what I think is going to happen. This is the reason why I think Hakeem Jeffries is not going to be terribly happy about this. I think he was figuring that she was going to take the job as ambassador to Italy, but she's connected to the money, right? And sure. when you're connected to the money, you control an awful lot of things. And that's what she was saying on Sunday, by the way. And I don't think uh, enough people picked up on it. I certainly didn't at the time. Um that she, even if she wasn't speaker, she would retain a great deal of influence in the House. And the reason why is because she raises the money for everybody. Yep. And so when you're raising the money for everybody, well, you can have some puppet out there as speaker, but he's going to dance to your tune. And that's exactly the way it's going to look for Hakeem Jeffries. And I don't think he's going to be very happy about that. But I don't uh, think he's got much choice.
1: Uh, and, um, and, I agree, and I agree with you. But I'm I'm telling you, if if that scenario plays out and Trump gets beat and the Democrats look like they're going to come back in, I'm telling you, it's gonna. It's she is gonna be sorely tempted to go for speaker one more time. I don't think. Able- I don't
0: think her caucus will do it.
1: First off, I don't think her oh, caucus will do it. Secondly, what?
0: secondly, again, secondly,
1: again, where where does the money follow? Where does yeah?
0: I, I think that people are going to start trying to disconnect her from the money over the next two years in a way that they couldn't do. Especially Hakeem Jeffries. I think Hakeem Jeffries' job number one is going to be to build all those connections to the money because otherwise he's not his own person as speaker. It's a really which, strange-
1: which, which is why which she's been. still, which is why she's still there to protect her interests.
0: Yeah, I don't, she's I, not going to, she's not going to, she's not going to do another run as speaker that, that once you've, once you've passed the baton to the next generation, it doesn't usually get passed back. Right. I mean, it just doesn't.
1: Un, un, unless of course, unless of course, she makes a case that he couldn't handle it.
0: Okay. So let's parse that one out a little bit. The white woman is going to tell the black man that he can't handle the job? I I wish you luck as a democrat trying to make that argument. Ain't going to happen. It is not ever going we- to happen. She will be the she will become the world's largest Karen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just that is not going to fly. It just isn't. I it, it's done. It's a done deal. She's let it go. My guess is that she wants to she I think she thinks that she can mess with Kevin McCarthy's head but again as I was talking about earlier this actually makes things a it, lot easier. it, it, act, it, 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 it act, clarifies it, things for it, for it everybody clarifies else.
1: this thing she's still lurking she's still the boogeyman
0: right right you know, okay, we're gonna, we have our differences. Okay. We're going to have our internal fights, but let's not forget that we've got Nancy Pelosi on the other side, still pulling the strings and right. we need to make sure that she can't get her fingers back into this. And my guess is that once it's become clear that she can't get her fingers back into this, and if, especially if Hakeem Jeffries manages manages to sort of, you know, cut the, cut the puppet strings with her, um, she might end up taking that job in Italy. The, um, the ambassador job in Italy um, before the end of this session, because she won't get a chance to do it after this, because Joe Biden won't get reelected. Um, I I I think that this is a short term power play on her part. I think she wants access to the money. I think she wants to see just how much influence she can have as a backbencher. I think it's interesting that Steny Hoyer joined her, because I don't see this at all for Steny Hoyer. Steny Hoyer is, I think, joining her just because he's he doesn't want to be part of the leadership thing anymore without her. I think he just decided that it's just not worth fighting over. Uh, And he wants to, he wants to have an easy, um, I wouldn't call it a victory lap, but a retirement lap, maybe just an easy retirement lap. And maybe all I know is if if,
1: if, if I'm, if I'm Hakeem Jeffries having, having two, two sets of eyes sitting right there, staring at him the whole time. That's yeah. not that's not a comfortable position to be.
0: in. Sounds, and this is one of the reasons I think that it's it had been more or less traditional. I don't think it was in every single case, but it had been more or less traditional before Pelosi that once a speaker stepped down, they pretty much just left Congress. I think Hastert filled out the rest of his uh, term. They at least but, waited until
1: they at least waited until the leadership vote. They handed over the gavel and then they resigned. That's yeah. normally
0: what happens. They resigned from Congress. And let the new leadership
1: roll. And, and again, I think you know eighty of my hundred bucks is after the leadership vote, after the the speaker vote with the full house uh, on January second, third, whenever it is. Um, if if McCarthy clears that hurdle at that point, then probably more than likely that's when she would actually say, "Okay, I've had enough. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna bail out."
0: Well, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that this is a six month plan. I, I think it's a six month plan. I think she's going to wring as, as much money out of it as possible. She's going to stick around to see if she can actually pull off the puppet act. And when it becomes clear that she's just not going to be able to do that, then I think she retires and asks Biden for a, for a cushy diplomatic job for the Unless, next, 30. of yeah.
1: course it's working. And if, yeah, if it's work, if it and, works,
0: she'll stick around. If,
1: and, and if it looks and if it looks increasingly likely like Trump is going to clear the hurdle and become the nominee, I'm telling you, I'm telling you,
0: they're they're never going to I'm let te- her back into leadership. I'm, they're I'm, never going to let her back into leadership. And, and I'll tell you one I, reason why is is and I I forget who it was. It was it was a Capitol Hill reporter that was that was writing about this yesterday on Twitter right before, of course, it imploded and and disappeared into a black hole, an internet black hole which you didn't do. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, uh the Pelosi was able to last as long as she did because of fear. And this is a Capitol Hill reporter, not 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 a Fox News reporter. This is I, I it's either Politico or was one you know Punchbowl or or something like that. Basically, she's not that well liked. <laughs> Apparently is what the is what the issue is. She, she has had an iron grip as most iron grips are based on fear rather than loyalty, and once she's out of the way, I think that if, if that's her plan, I think she miscalculated because I don't think there's any way they let her back in after that. I think I think everybody will be very happy to see her in the rearview mirror, uh, along with Stoney Hoyer. And I think if they could have gotten James Clyburn out of there, <laughs> would have done it. They would have they would have booted him out as well. Um, no, well, she's all.
1: All I will say is. Um, I, I until until I until I actually see the 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 cold dead body uh, carried out from the Capitol once and for all, I'm 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 not I'm not buying it that she's she she's she's not working a plan for for uh, some kind of a future run. That's just that's just that's not how she operates.
0: Well, you may be right, but I, I just, I, I mean, and maybe that's what her, what she's thinking, but I don't think it's, uh, I, I don't think and, that.
1: And I'm, I'm willing, and I'm willing to concede that she may be miscalculating there. I'm just, oh, yeah. uh, I, I talked to Campbell about this last night, and you know, Campbell knows her a, a, a bit, right? He was, he right. was in there quite a bit when she was there, half the time, the majority, half the time, a minority. Um, that, that is not a, that is not a non-zero option here. And, and he admitted as much last night that that would be a classic Pelosi move.
0: Well, classic as it may be, I I count me as deeply skeptical on, on on that. I'm, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm not putting a lot of money on that bet. I think that, no. I think the odds I think are, be, but
0: I think she's sticking around to 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 try to direct the House caucus see if the You're using Hakeem Jeffries as as a, as right. a puppet see and if I don't think that comes ha- to her and I don't think Hakeem Jeffries is going to put up with it. I think he's I think he's going to uh, put forward a smiling face for politics and I think behind the scenes he's going to be trying to cut those ties. What, what
1: committee is Nancy Pelosi can. sit on because as speaker she she was never on a committee. Now that she's just a normal congressperson and not in leadership, what committees does
0: Nancy Pelosi sit on? I guess it depends on where H- Hakeem Jeffries wants to put her. does right. So so <laughs> th- does she sit on rules? What th- does she? Well, she actually I mean actually she would probably be really good at rules. That would She'd probably be prob- right she, place she probably on. would.
1: Does she chair rules? Does, does she does she have seniority over everybody?
0: Does I th- she, I would think so. I think all, she's almost think longest, so, right? She's the longest she's got to be the longest serving or, or very close to the longest serving uh, House Democrat. She, again, she, start, she started in 1987. That was 35 years ago. So,
1: so, how does that go over to whoever would have been next in line for the Democrats to be on calls well, or whatever? That's a, that's
0: a seniority issue. If somebody more senior wants that position, they'd usually get it. I mean, so, I mean, that's that's just business as usual. I don't think that that's going to cause a whole lot of angst. It may very well be that she doesn't share anything. She may want to. She may want to sit sit on a few committees, but she may not end up chairing anything because sure, well, her focus will be on trying well, she, to she, she, she behind be, the scenes.
1: Well, I I, I and I misspoke. She wouldn't chair anything. They're they're in the minority. She'd be a ranking member.
0: Uh, you're, you're right. You're right. But uh, ranking member. You're, you're, yeah, I made the same mistake. Yes, ranking member. But I mean. She may not want to even do that much. She she as ranking member, maybe it'd be a little bit better, actually. She's only going to be in she's not going to even run for re-election. I, I i i will I will make that I will make that claim right now. She's not even going to run for re-election. There's a bunch of people in San Francisco who've been waiting for that seat to open up, too. yeah, and she was I think, was, I think she was there's bigger.
1: there's, there's ninety seven genders of people that that in san francisco that that, that, <laughs> that want that that probably want to run. So did you watch her, did you watch her speech yesterday or listen to it? I I, I just cut the the basic 20 seconds of her saying oh, about man. it I, I, it was.
0: It was did
1: was, you see so who wrote me. it?
0: Did you see who wrote the speech? John Meacham wrote it. Of course he did. Of course he did. Um, Yeah, the, um, it was a one minute speech that uh, she finally got to the point after 10 minutes in. Yeah. And- <laughs> I was thinking to myself you know I, i'm pretty schools. sure they're, gonna, yeah. they're not going to cut her off right i knew that they weren't going to cut her off she showed up in the in the white pantsuit again because that's the 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 color of the suffragettes um and that you don't wear white after labor day well if you're if you're if you're referencing the suffragettes it's okay I see, emily okay. post says so okay. um but uh but yeah i mean it just the whole thing was just just make an announcement Hey, I'm not gonna do it anymore. <laughs> I got I got no, a election. Kick out, I got a bigger kick out of
1: the one minute speech by Sheila Jackson Lee trying to compare slavery to uh,
0: the disparity in COVID deaths. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I missed that one. Oh, well. <laughs> I don't usually I don't usually listen. I did get a kick out of the one from a Republican that was uh, uh, thanking California for a lack of energy that's going to make people die over the winter. Um that one I actually did listen to because it was right before Nancy Pelosi got up to speak and I thought that was a that was a, a pretty good um a, a a pretty good um entree to Nancy Pelosi's uh bloviating Anyway, all right. So enough about Nancy Pelosi. Enough about enough about the house actually. Let's talk about Twitter. <laughs> Twitter Twitter imploded yesterday. Um, um, except that it didn't, apparently 90% of the employees at Twitter are leaving. Now, half of them, they, Elon Musk got, got rid of right off the bat, right? He laid off half of the staff. So yeah. they were down to about 3750. And then earlier this week, he said, you know, <laughs> was it you that I was joking around with? It was sort of like a middle school note passing exercise. Do you really want to work here? Check yes or no. Yes. <laughs> it yes. around the sent around that memo. Do you really want to work here? Check. Yes. If you do check, no, if you want three months worth of pay and get the hell out. Um, well, apparently about, um, 90 or 80% of the people who got that note checked no. And want their three months severance pay. So they're down to about 10% of the staff that, um, at least according to reports, they're down to about 10% of the staff now that Elon Musk had. So, I got online today and I, I, I did a tap. My keyboard is this thing on tweet and it seemed to work just fine. You know, I'm on it right now. And I
1: was on it yesterday and I was on it the day before. I have yet to know, I, I, I cannot see one noticeable, tangible difference in the pre Musk and post Musk Twitter. I haven't seen.
0: I haven't um, seen any. Not even in moderation. Ha- it's the same moderation
1: policy. I haven't seen an, any iota of difference whatsoever. Um, it, it's it's pretty telling if they're down to seventy five people from whatever their original staff was. What does that say about how bloated a lot of these a lot of these um, uh, Silicon Valley operations are? Um yeah. I think Here's, that's the real question. Oh, oh absolutely it is. Um, you know, can, can they get lean and mean and more efficient and still do the same thing? It seems, seems like they, they, they probably can. Here's the thing that I think is just grand about all of the angst and all the hair on fire stuff. Twitter right now, this week, this month, is this year's global warming right we only have 8 <laughs> years left we only have 9 years left we only you know the the we we saw we saw a report what a month ago or 3 weeks ago uh they just reset the clock again we only have 9 years left well you know they were saying we had 9 years left 15 years ago tw- you know 20 years ago 25 years ago it's the same hair on fire alarmism it just it just substitute climate change or the environment for twitter and apply the same alarmism. Uh, this is the end of Twitter. It's going to end in a week. It's going to end in, in, in two weeks. See, it, it won't be long now. Except, of course, it's still going on. Um, is that going to stop anybody? No, they're just going to reset it. Well, you know, this person quit. Uh, the end is near. You know, it, it, it's going to end now. Uh, these are the same people that looked at Trump like, well, the end is near. You know, it's, it. You know, the walls are closing in. All this alarmism. How many times have you and I gone through a news cycle where you you see all this all this you know groupthink alarmism like ah oh, that this is finally it you know this this you know we we've reached critical mass here. I, I'm not buying it. Twitter seems to be working just fine.
0: Yeah, I, I think that what this shows first off there's already there are already reports right of extreme bloat at twitter where you had even twitter employees i mean these were i think it was it was it not uh james o'keefe and uh project veritas that had uh some inside video of people discussing the fact that they only worked like you know eight to ten hours a week at their right. jobs and that you know they had all of these you know these um sad rooms and stuff like that, where they could, they could go and hide when, you know, they felt stressed at all and all this kind of stuff. I mean, just nonsense stuff. And I think that first off, to the extent that you just got 40 hours work, the work out of everybody, you probably could cut the staff on that basis by half. Which 10, 10. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, um, and, and,
1: and the thing is, I, I saw, um, uh, Dave, uh, who's the guy from Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy, right? Yeah, Dave Portnoy. Yeah. Who's actually friends with Elon Musk. And he was like, so, um, are, 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 is this really going to lock down? Is this, is this really going to blow up? And Elon's response to him was, look, a lot of people are gone. The key core engineers that we need to keep it running are still here. They're working fine. We're fine. And there, and he's he's
0: got more from Tesla that are in and, there right
1: and, now. And, and he brought and he brought some some Tesla techs uh, Tesla techs in there as well. And between the you know the the key engineers that um, that helped build the Twitter app to begin with, and and his people at Tesla, he's like. the the tech side of it's fine. You don't need a ton. You
0: just don't. I mean, the thing's already built. It's not like they have to build it every day. Right. Right. Exactly. You you need to, you need to make sure that you're doing server maintenance, which he can use the Tesla text to do that, to do that much. And, um, you know, continue moderation, I guess, is the only other thing, you know, uh, dealing with signups, I don't know that you needed 7500 employees at Twitter. And I think that that's what he's proving is that you didn't need 7500 employees at Twitter. And what's the number one operating expense for most companies, Dwayne? Labor. Labor, right? Yes, so labor. He buys, so he buys this thing for 44 billion dollars, which is overpriced and everybody knows it's overpriced. It was a dumb deal. <laughs> right? We were cheerleading it just because we wanted to see a change, you know, a a change at Twitter, but it was a stupid deal, right? I mean, we can, we can admit this now. This was a dumb deal. Of course it was. And
1: and there's no realistic profit margin. I mean, it's, it's, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's based on a bunch of bots. You know, there's, 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 there's a lot of of fraud in its, its, uh, its, its sales pitch, its its business model.
0: So what do you do when you've when you've uh, leveraged your you, you've you've leveraged your wealth in order a, and made a bad deal, you know, and, and spent too much money on an acquisition? And I can tell you this from firsthand experience, right? Because I was around Hughes aircraft when Raytheon or me, General Motors bought them up. <laughs> It was a disaster for General Motors, an absolute disaster for General Motors. One that Ross Perot tried to prevent them from doing, and they end up kicking out Ross Perot over it. Right, right. So what do you do?
1: You you slash labor down to the bare minimum of what you need to do to
0: keep it running, and
1: you cut expenses, you cut costs, and then you start to figure out how to make it profitable.
0: Right, and in General Motors, they did it the wrong way. Uh, When it came into Hughes Aircraft, they let Hughes Aircraft executive management. uh, decide on the cuts. And it was, it was executive management that needed the cutting and General Motors wasn't smart enough to figure that out. They could have come into, uh, looked at the org chart and draw red lines across two or three levels of, of management, and just laid all those people off. And it wouldn't have impacted uh, operations a single bit. And apparently that's what Elon Musk has stumbled onto over at Twitter. So he's going to save, he's going to save quite a bit of money by ushering these people out the door, the three-month severance pay is, you know, chump change uh, in exchange for the money that he's going to be saving, uh, dealing with these issues over the next few years. And so, um, and so yeah. you've, got, you've got
1: Twitter, you know, blowing out a bunch of people in a really nasty public um, uh, way, right? And everybody's, you know, freaking out and reacting to it and overreacting to it and, 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 and just capitalizing on the moment. But what's also going on at the same time? What's what's the what's the um, what's the labor workforce count going on at Facebook by the day right now?
0: Oh, that's also being that's also being reduced. There's headcount reductions at Facebook. No, uh, no, no. Across, big, across, by like ten thousand, right? Ten or eleven thousand that they got rid now, of. Now, now, why is that happening again? Bloat, actually. <laughs> oh, so so we now have two
1: social media kingpins that are a little bloated in personnel. So maybe what Elon Musk is doing isn't necessarily uh, financially unsound. Maybe, Maybe what he's doing isn't necessarily a bad thing if you have too much bloated labor that's not really working efficiently.
0: Well, and I'll tell you why is because there's no competition. There's no, there's not a lot of competition between Facebook and Twitter. They're really two very different products, right? Correct. Not, not a lot of, Correct. Same thing with, with, you know, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and YouTube. Two but, very, very but different products. Where's,
1: where's the angst? Where's the people all saying, well, I'm going to quit. I'm leaving Facebook forever because he's laying people off. And this is, this is wrong. This is evil. Uh
0: Elon, you know, what, why isn't, why isn't, um, Oh, but that's because Facebook is the Facebook is the is the good platform compared to Twitter. I mean, oh, it used to be that people were naming it you, Facebook, but they're the mean, they're the you, responsible platform because they're cooperating with government censorship um, operations. So, so they're the so, responsible so you platform.
1: You mean you mean as long as the company is ideologically acceptable to the left wing masses out there.
0: You can you can actually lay staff off, and it's okay. Uh, Apparently so, yeah. You can lay off okay staff because right because eleven thousand that was eleven thousand was more than than Twitter employed. It's it's about fifty percent more than Twitter employed altogether. See, that's what I thought too. I I thought that was a pretty big layoff. Yeah. That's a, don't look at that layoff. Just look at the fact that Elon Musk is being a meanie. Ah, let's uh, let's look at that. I see. So, I see. and you know, do, else, sure you know what else, the 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 difference is? you know what else the difference is too. There's another difference is that Clinton world isn't coming after Facebook. <laughs> Clinton world <laughs> is coming after Musk and Twitter. You see that uh, report from Fox business news with accountable tech, which was part of Hillary Clinton's um, what's it called? Um, elect me again i i forget what, what her what her new thing yeah, is
1: called yeah exactly i got uh, robbed.
0: i was the i was robbed foundation i think is what it's called didn't uh didn't didn't we hear uh
1: that the doj is going to come after Elon musk too and investigate whether that was a a, a legal acquisition Did, didn't didn't we see talk
0: about I, I, that i too? haven't i haven't seen that but i i i, I there wouldn't be any this the board agreed to it. Twitter's board agreed to the to to the sale. In fact, they sued to make sure that Elon Musk followed through on it. So I don't know what the DOJ would have to do with that. Uh, if if there's if there's talk about that, it's just talk. There's the DOJ doesn't have any um, doesn't have any say in a in an acquisition in which the purchased entity sued the buyer to make sure that he actually followed through on the sale. That'd be a hell of a, that'd be a hell of a case to bring to court, right? Well, your honor, we think that this was an illegal acquisition. Um, excuse me, but didn't the company sue the guy to force him to buy it? Well, yes, but, uh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Oh, I, I,
1: I understand. I'm just, I'm just saying we, 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 we seem to have a different standard. We, we seem to have a different rule set, uh, with, 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 social media companies, um, when it's somebody that has fallen out of favor with, uh, with,
0: with half yeah. the country. Yeah. What what a shock that is. We're all what we're all shock. terribly shocked about that. Well, we're just about to the end of our podcast today. Actually, I'm and I've got a uh, another interview coming up with Rob McNeely about crypto, which is re- very interesting with all the stuff that's happening with FTX. Dwayne and I didn't get to that, but Rob McNeely and I do talk about that. So stay tuned on that. Um, Doug, we didn't get a chance to talk about Donald Trump
1: uh, did, did he do something this week?
0: Oh, well, yeah. You know, if you read the New York post, you probably, you probably didn't notice it because it was buried on a 26, but he kicked off the 2024 presidential cycle. Unfortunately, you and I talked about that on Wednesday. So we're fine. We,
1: we, but, uh, yeah, we, we, we did talk about that on Wednesday. We, 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 we make a joke. We uh, make a joke to help you forget how screwed we are. Uh, no, the, <laughs> the, the, uh, here here's the long and the short of it. Um let's make it the kind of, short of it because we're already running long here. I, I get it, I get it. I I, I am I remain unconvinced that Donald Trump is going to get the nomination this time around. It the the, the shtick is seven years old, it's not the same shtick. He's not adding anybody new to the fold that he didn't already have. And all he's done is, is alienate women and independence. And you saw that with every one of his candidates, his preferred big ticket candidates uh, from coast to coast. I I'm, I'm, I'm not sure he's going to make it this time around. I'm just not, but we'll see, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be uh it's going to be an interesting cycle.
0: I, I agree. All right. So, uh, I would normally ask you what's coming up in the next Hugh Hewitt show. That's Monday. I don't even know if you guys got the show lined up yet. Uh,
1: Bob Francis is going kind to of fill in from Ohio uh, because you're oh. doing Relevant Radio. Um, I am.
0: I am. I was asked. I will tell everybody I was asked, you, but unfortunately, you, I was already you, committed. You were
1: asked and, and and deferred. You 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 chose not to join leadership at this time. You're going to be a back. <laughs> you're going to be a backbencher. <laughs> <laughs> um so Bob France is going to host on Monday. So we've got shows Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and then we're off for the break. Um but, but you know for the next few weeks this is kind of silly season. There's there there's there's some political news, but there's not a lot going on between now and in the end of the year unless unless you know war breaks out worse or some unforeseen black swan event, but we we're getting to the point where things kind of take a little bit of a break after the election uh for the holidays so who knows what we're going to talk about on monday
0: oh my goodness all right well lots of stuff coming up and of course you can go over to the universe and get a lot more content over there a lot more uh a lot more exclusive content you got uh, james lilacs coming up tonight right on the after show yep.
1: lilacs will be on tonight we'll do a baker's dozen some of the oddball stories of the week and um a little bit of current news but not much mostly just kind of kick back
0: and have some fun well there you go in an enjoyment friday so be sure to tune in you got to be a member of the universe h-u-g-h-n-i-v-e-r-s-e.com the troll free web surfing experience for hugh hewitt fans and listeners i'm a member i'm on there wednesday nights too lilacs is on tonight you can't miss lilacs you got to join for lilacs you don't join for me join for lilacs lilacs is a national treasure and and dwayne's got him locked up on friday evening so there you go Dwayne, Generalissimo Patterson, thanks for being with us. We'll talk. Well, I guess we probably won't do this next week because we'll be, you know, the holidays, but we'll probably come back in two weeks to do this, right? I think in two weeks, probably in two weeks. All right. Well, we'll talk then. Happy Thanksgiving to you and you we'll, as well. Talk you on the other side of it. Sounds good to see you guys. Bye. Stay tuned for Rob McNeely and more coming up on the Ed Morrissey Show. Joining me now on the Ed Morrissey Show is my friend Rob McNeely from Tusk.network, T-U-S-C.network. My crypto guy. (laughs) Everybody should have a crypto guy. Rob McNeely is my crypto guy. He's the guy who knows everything that's going on in crypto. And Rob, first off, welcome back.
2: Well, uh, Ed, thank you so much for having me back. I love being here. And and we talked about this before, like you got something weird to talk about. Uh, and man, in crypto right now, there's some weird stuff to talk about.
0: <laughs> well, I mean the the whole FTX collapse. Uh, uh, you know, Sam Bankman Freed. Uh, his, his, you know, his actions in this, uh, you know, the connections between FTX and you know policymakers and you know the the politics of it, the 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 money of it. Uh, it's it's just crazy and. You and I talked about crypto. The last time we talked about crypto, we said, hey, look, you know, you, you, it's, any investment is a risk. And, you know, you don't, anybody can anybody can have an investment that collapses. And it doesn't mean, you know, crypto is not the only place that that happens. I mean, Bernie Madoff, for instance, did a Ponzi scheme, had nothing to do with crypto. So, I mean, it's, you know, you know th- 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 those types of things happen. But this, I think, is a pretty big blow in the um, crypto industry right now. And it seems to have shaken up a lot of people. And I'm kind of curious as to what, first off, if you can explain it to us, can you tell us what it means.
2: So believe it or not, I don't actually think this is a crypto problem. And though it involves cryptocurrency, right? everything that was done was not done because of cryptocurrency. So I'd like to, like, I'd like to just point out that what's happened is everything they did was illegal and everything would be that is and everything they did was regulated in some way and they violated every single possible rule you can imagine. Um, but what we always say is that this wasn't that the blockchain was hacked here. So what, what right. FTX was um, is essentially was a crypto bank. Offshore. So understand that this is, they're based in the Bahamas. They are not a regulated US entity, though they have one small entity that is regulated in the United States. They have over, from what I looked at, they have over 120, 130 different entities under an umbrella across the globe. So understand this is not like an American company for the most part. They lived in the Bahamas, they were incorporated offshore. Um, And and what we say in crypto, there's this old axiom and you'll hear it time and time again that says not your keys, not your crypto or not your keys, not your coins. And there's two types of crypto exchanges. Exchanges are just ways that, you know, they're like marketplaces where people buy and trade crypto, just like people might do with a stock on a stock exchange. Um, The thing is with crypto, even though it's digital, you whoever controls the key of the wallet that that crypto is in has control of the crypto. So when you have two types of exchanges, centralized exchanges and decentralized exchanges. So a centralized exchange is like FTX. They're just like a like a you know normal stock exchange. But when you trade on a centralized exchange, you are handing over the keys to your cryptocurrency and giving it to that person and trusting that this company and it's a company. Um, is going to take do good care and take fiduciary responsibility with your funds. Whereas a decentralized exchange, uh, I could throw out a name like XBTS, for instance. Um, you can trade crypto there, but you possess the keys to your coins. They're always in a wallet you control. There is the, the people that, you know, put the developers behind that decentralized thing don't actually have control of your crypto whereas on a centralized exchange it did. And so the the other thing is so FTX had a partner company called Alameda Research. I call it their gambling arm. And so what ended up happening is they were basically gambling. <laughs> um with doing all sorts of interesting market bets. They were they were trading news stories, they were betting on futures, they were betting on other exchanges. And right. what so happened is they just took everybody's money from the FTX side um uh, there was no wall there was no silo and so what it looks like what's happened over the last 3 years these guys came out of nowhere um, basically promised no risk investments and people started to believe them and they just got really good at getting people to give them money. And then they, they started having uh, tokens that they were creating on their own and trading on their own exchange <laughs> that were not even real. They then use those little fake assets in addition to the real assets that they stole from their users deposits. And then were using them for collateral to get more loans so they can make more bets. And they got caught with their pants down when the market tanked. And then a rival exchange, Binance, went out and basically knew what they were doing because FTX tried to do a bunch of market manipulation on the Binance exchange. They caught him. And so you have these two giant cart, um, cartels, no, uh, exchanges um, exactly. fighting with each other. And CZ had the upper hand and basically called them out. So I look at it like Binance and FTX are like a little a little drug cartel fighting with a big gar- drug cartel because <laughs> they're all bad. They're, yeah. None of them
0: are good. This, um, this reminds me, though, Rob. Uh, and again, we're speaking with Rob McNeely of Tusk Network, Network. So that's where you go if you want to find out some you know the, the 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 real skinny on crypto but um it reminds me of what happened in Canada and I can't even remember the name of the um exchange that um the, where the, where
2: the guy may be dead I mean I, I you'll know this story better yeah, than I do i I, for, I forgot the name of the guy in 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 crypto years dog years that was like a, a century ago right, <laughs> right exactly. um, but the guy's name was cotton I think and and so yes. what ended up happening the um this is very similar though But on a much bigger scale. So um, the Charles Ray, I think is his name. He's the he's the he was uh, the new temporary CEO of FTX and Alameda. And there he's the guy who did handle the the wind down of Enron after it collapsed. And I, I just saw an interesting post from him saying that in the 40 some years he's been dealing with like these companies collapsing. So he's an expert in restructuring and bankruptcy of, you know, failed companies. He said that they had no financial control. They didn't even have an accounting department. So, so these people allegedly had, so we don't even know. So this is the thing, like they didn't even have accountants on board. (laughs) And so like basically any money that was going into their little paws just went to whatever gambling scam, anything they wanted to do um and but on top of that since they had a lot of resources and then they started marketing and they got in the naming rights of stadiums they got Tom Brady roped into this um and 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 I think this is what's probably relevant to your audience in particular is there's a interesting connection to politics involved with this yeah. and there's both rumor there's conspiracy theory going on right now but how it looks right now is is that SPF, Sam Bankman-Fried. His mother and father are huge Stanford... Um, they're professors at Stanford, um, and very well connected to the Democratic National Party. And in fact, his mother is one a huge bundler fundraiser for the DNC. Has personal political connections to you know Hillary Clinton. So he came from a very politically active family. Right. Um, and he is and supposedly the you know this last two elections, um, SBF Sam Bankman Fried, the CEO, um, literally has pushed almost seventy million. million. Million dollars to Democratic candidates um, across the spectrum, so he's only following. You know, the only bigger one is like George Soros, Um, and so the so there's some interesting, funny business. So, and and none of that makes. Total, A lot of that makes a lot of sense to me, right? If you, you're you the son of this big political donor, you're probably a huge lefty yourself from California, um, and your mother's a big fundraiser for the DNC, so you're probably going to be left-leaning, right? Maybe he just made a whole bunch of money and just is on its own donating. Um, but the problem is, is that they were co-mingling all their funds. Right. And here and there's, and there's here's another interesting element to this. So um, after the Ukraine war started, we have two interesting things happening. Lots of people from all over the world wanted to donate money to the Ukraine. So FTP set up a little payment gateway set up so people could donate crypto directly to the Ukraine. And then you had the U.S. government just giving all this tax money and payer money with no accountability to Zelensky. Um, and so we also know that Zelensky's uh, regime was actually using ftx is a way to take crypto and turn it into cash at their bank um and but the one thing that's not which is kind of it's a rumor at this point i don't know if it's true because we don't have access to the books this is the big part and according to the new ceo they don't keep books (laughs) so um and so we also have that there could be this conspiracy theory is right now or the rumor is is that taxpayer money was being funneled to the ukraine which was then being funneled to You know, FTX, which was then being funneled um, to Democratic candidates and action committees. Um, The other thing that could be interesting, which we don't know, was Zelensky embezzling money that was given to him by the U.S. government and investing in FTX for his own personal gain or not. Again, we don't have proof of that. Because this apparently even from the inside, the accounting doesn't exist. It's literally they had wallets and they spent money came in, money went out, and they co-mingled personal funds with business funds, which again is illegal in every country in the world. Um, and so this is the thing that I hope will be unraveled, but I don't have faith that it will um, that properly be investigated at this point. I think a lot of people that are more on the right also don't trust that the FBI, the SEC and all the relevant agencies are actually going to do their job. In part, this is the reality is the current you know, uh, commissioner and you know head of the SEC, Gary Gensler, is also family t- has family ties to the CEO, Caroline Ellison of Alameda and FBI. FTX. Um, sure. And Sam Megman Friedman or Fried has been getting all sorts of access. He's testified in front of congressional committees. He's getting one on one access with Gary Gensler. And so I don't know if I don't believe that these agencies can even, they'd have to almost recuse themselves. You'd almost have to create, in my opinion, some kind of special counsel to investigate this because the investigators in this case are possibly, implement, you know, uh, kind of
0: yeah, indicated. You yeah. know,
2: um, or, at, a, least, being or at least
0: incompetent, right? At least incompetent. Here's 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 the um, or at least, you know, again, you, appearance of impropriety. Right. And there's a lot of that right now in this case. Here's here's one key point that I want to ask you, though. And you've been kind of going around it. I just want to kind of nail this down. You've mentioned this is what, what FTX and Alameda were doing were illegal in every country in the world. It's illegal in every type of investing, not just crypto. If Correct. Sam Bankman Freed had, if he, if he actually deliberately set this up to be a scam, and I don't know that you can really conclude any other way if they're commingling funds and they're not keeping books and they're moving money all over the place and and then sucking up to, uh, you know, policymakers and and power brokers, it looks like a classic scam, Um but he could have done this with anything. Could have done this with any sort of commodity. Could have done it with you know, uh, as long gold. as it was offshore. Go, you know, gold, silver, you know, uh, platinum, whatever. You know, pork bellies. You know, you could do. This is the type of scam that you can set up doing anything else. Which leads me to my next question: What can the blockchain do for us in this case that wouldn't be possible with you know pork bellies or or gold or silver? Can the block is the blockchain able? to establish a lot of this better than we would normally see in situations involving other types of uh, other types of fraud
2: absolutely. so if you self-custody your crypto, which I everybody in crypto says this don't leave your crypto on an exchange ever. don't if right. you want to buy something on exchange, buy it, download it and bring it back to your own wallet that you control. Um, think of it like don't leave your money in a stock exchange put your money in your safe, in your closet. And and that's what we recommend as a best practice for security standpoint. If you do that, you have no risk of being hacked. You have no risk of these bad actors taking your money and then doing bad things with them. Um, With the blockchain, so for instance, you can trade on a decentralized exchange where you always maintain control of your crypto and there's always transparency on these transactions. That's something you can't do, whether it be like paper gold or pork bellies, crude oil or stocks. You can't do that. The technology allows for people like me and you to trade valuable digital assets in a way that we don't need a trusted middleman that may just steal our crap. <laughs> so um, and so that's what's happened in this case. Too many people just decided that they thought it was a good idea to work with Alameda. The contagion the contagion about this is that a lot of other crypto firms um, were using them as a liquidity back end. Um, And we're giving them there. So they were they did this a few times where they bought smaller exchanges, and then they took all the assets of the, the depositors in those exchanges and then gambled it away, which is, again, completely illegal. So I want to just reinforce, this is not a failure of crypto. Um, in fact, because of this, we were able to see. So the, the day after they filed for a Chapter 11, um, there was an alleged hack of almost $600 million with the crypto moving from the wallets that they controlled to some other point. If this were dollars, you would never have known that even happened. Um, a lot of us don't really believe the the hack story, of course. We think that they're probably... I think there's a huge chance that they're going to abscond with funds, but we'll see what happens on that. And and that's another thing. He's still walking around almost two weeks into the scandal. He's still not in custody in the Bahamas. So it's likely that he's very friendly with the local authorities because in any other country in the world, he'd probably be in cuffs at least because he is such a huge flight risk. Um, but it's not a crypto problem. This is just a fraud and a manipulation and wire fraud and, and securities fraud. You name it. They did everything wrong. And, And I think to your point, was this intentionally set up to be a scam? And I think it was. And and this is why. Um, If you look at uh, their their the way they have so many different corporate entities and shell companies spread around the world in different jurisdictions, that was done to a very complicated and a very meticulous degree. Someone really helped them. Now, Carolyn Ellison's father just so happens to be a very excellent person at offshore tax shelters. So this is another one of those things. And he also wrote some tax policy for Senator Warren. So this is where it gets really weird with the whole like overlap. So there's I have I downloaded this and and I can't find it right now, but I downloaded this like like Ven, not Venn diagram, but this flowchart of all these different entities all over the country or the world um, that Alameda and FTX controlled. But yet at the same time, they had no accounting department, meaning that they had really tight tax shelters uh, system and scheme in place, which shows very deliberate intentional design and attention to detail. Yet when it came to the accounting, there was none of it. And to me, I don't believe that's an oversight because if you're sloppy with your accounting, you could just commingle everybody's funds. No one's paying attention. You know, if you had 134 business entities that each had a bank account and a crypto wallet attached to them and you're tracking the flows going back and forth, that's really easy to detect fraud and manipulation at that point, at least on the internal um, controls. They didn't have any of this. Basically, they took everybody's money and spent it the way they want willy-nilly with no accounting oversight that we can see so far. And I think that is intentional, not by accident.
0: Yeah. So Rob McNeely, I mean, a couple minutes left here. Um, Do you see this as having a a severe impact on the crypto industry? You think it's scaring people off? Or do you think that people are going to... um, are just going to take a rational, <clears throat> rational look at this and just practice, <laughs> practice better crypto uh, uh,
2: policies uh, going hygiene, forward. hygiene, that's the right word hygiene, um, uh, hygiene, hygiene, security, um, I, I think in some ways I think it's good. Right. Because it's washing out a lot of bad actors and it's highlighting the need for self-custody. And to me, it highlights the need for decentralized exchanges. And so I think that's a positive thing. I think it's a, a tough lesson to learn because um, lots of people, millions of people are, have lost a lot of money here. Billions of dollars have been evaporated. Um, but I think that's what we're going to learn. And, and here's the ironic part about this. SPF was lobbying Congress to make it um, basically legal in the United States for a software developer to make a decentralized exchange. So this is important. Decentralized exchanges, you control your crypto, and then some third party can't steal it and spend it on gambling bets. He was lobbying against that in the United States for new regulation, which would drive people to centralized exchanges like his. This is where it's freaking the hypocrisy here. And decentralized exchanges are the way to protect yourself from these kinds of scams. Crypto, you don't need these middlemen. So I think... um, I think what will come out of this and what I'm hoping for is that that recognition, that self-custody of your crypto and decentralized exchanges are the way to keep your crypto assets and, and investments protected and safe. And I think this also highlights the fact that our regulatory system in the United States is trash. Who's who's regulating the regulators? There's, there's at best incompetence, but uh, I'm not that optimistic. I think there's intentional... Um, I would almost bet that the current SEC and, and the CFTC apparently either they looked the other way or just didn't want to look or what have you. But there seems to be um, some real issues at the Securities Exchange Commission right now with Gary Gensler. And I think that needs to be looked at. And I hope with this new uh, Republican House, they start pulling these guys in, in front of the committees and start asking really, really tough questions.
0: All right, Rob McNeely. We're almost done, but you got to tell us just a little bit about Tusk Network before you go. T u s c dot network. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So uh, Tusk was a project that's uh, we're going on five years old. It's just a cryptocurrency and NFT platform. We never sold tokens and didn't do an ICO or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and we're focused on trying to help industries like the the firearms industry um, deal with the debanking problem and the censorship. Of conservatives and things like that. So we wanted to create a crypto that was open to everybody and could be very useful out there. We never took anybody's money, we never hyped as investment. Our focus has always been solving real problems in industries like the firearms industry.
0: All right. TUSC.network, Tusk Network, Rob McNeely, uh, my friend and my my crypto guy. Thanks for dropping by today.
2: Ed, thanks so much for having me on again.
0: All right, stay tuned for one last message from the Ed Morrissey show coming right up. Thanks for watching and listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. I just want to drop you a note to remind you that we are still going into 2024 with guns blazing, if you will, and with all sorts of momentum uh, going towards Republicans, even after a disappointing midterm cycle. There is plenty of reason to be hopeful about what's coming up in 2024. There is also plenty of reason to worry about the impact that big tech And government agencies like DHS are going to have on the political debate, especially on big social media platforms. That's why it is still more important than ever to support uh, Hot Air and our other town hall properties by becoming a VIP or a VIP Gold member. Now, being a VIP member or VIP Gold member means that you can comment on the posts and the comment sections are getting very lively, great comment sections. We're really getting a good commentary out there in the in the com boxes. But you also get exclusive content such as Dwayne Patterson's twice-weekly columns, Tom Jackson's twice-weekly columns from Florida, which is going to be a key uh, battleground in 2024 and a key indicator, especially if Ron DeSantis does get into the race, as we expect, of where the Republican Party is going to go. We've got... The Amiable Skeptics with Adam Baldwin and I, twice weekly, two episodes a week, uh, our video presentation exclusive for VIP members. Plus we have the VIP Gold Chat with Cam Edwards of BearingArms.com. It's the most fun hour of the week. And I can tell you that both Cam and I will... Uh, every single time make that claim the most fun hour of the week. And our VIP gold members get a chance to participate in it by putting in their comments and questions. And we respond directly to those. In fact, that's the entire reason for having that one hour chat on Wednesdays at one Eastern time. Uh, if you're a VIP or VIP gold member, you can, uh, you can be part of that and you can use the promo code, save America, save America and get a 25% discount off of VIP and VIP gold membership. So be sure to do that. Thanks for your time. Thanks for watching the Ed Morrissey Show.